Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, check us out at our website at bccma.org, or you can send us an email at office at bccma.org. This message is the final part of the Impossible Sermon Series, and also Bethany Community Church's special Christmas service. Thank you all for listening, and have a Merry Christmas.
is marked by our pursuit of the amazing. Orville and Wilbur Wright. The first flight. The improbable. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. The heroic. I have a dream. Let freedom ring. The impossible. That's one small step for man. This same desire to experience the transcendent is why the Christmas story captures our imaginations. The virgin birth. The star. The shepherds. 
the baby in a manger. Christmas is the story of hope when all hope seems lost. Christmas is a story of heaven meeting earth. It's the story of the God of the amazing, the God of the heroic, the God of the impossible. Merry Christmas. So good to see all of you here, and, and those who I can't see, I can feel you, so it's good to feel you here today, and I hope you're enjoying your, your season, and I know highlight, part of the highlight of my Christmas season is, is church, being here, this is part of it, and uh, so excited to have you here. We're talking about the impossible, you know, the most impossible aspect of Christmas is that God loved us, and he came down to show us his love, and the, the, the fact that the problems of mankind needed a solution that was impossible to solve. This very set that's designed here that Christy designed and others worked with her is symbolic of heaven, the glory and wonder and love of heaven meeting the problems of our dirt <laughs> and our earth. As you see these trees that go up to heaven. So that's what we're talking about today. You know, we... We differentiate, uh, we don't differentiate though well enough between the impossible and the improbable. The improbable is what we often call the impossible. The improbable is something that yields to the uh, grit and ingenuity and effort of human beings. And I've gotten to witness that many times. One of my uh, favorite uh, post Christmas presents was to be sent to the Super Bowl in. Uh, the Super Bowl 49 in Phoenix, Arizona, when the Patriots played the uh, Seattle Seahawks, and one of my one of my bucket list items was to go to a Patriot Super Bowl, and so that was really cool to get to do that. And Jason and I w went together, and I remember, you know, there's there's like something like three minutes left, and P Patriots are just barely ahead, and Seattle's moving the ball, right? And uh, Jay's getting worried. And, I looked at him and said, don't worry, it's going to be okay. We got this. And then when uh, Curse catches that ball on his back, like an unbelievable catch, like way down in Patriot territory, started to worry, and it started to look a little more improbable. And then I'm thinking, well, Belichick will call a timeout. It'll be okay. And he doesn't call a timeout. And then it started to get impossible. Then we had a miracle, didn't we? Did we really have a miracle, though? No. We didn't have a miracle, and it wasn't impossible. Impossible is in the realm of the fantastic. Like, for instance, that uh, there's this truly impossible thing that we, some people believe, and that is that Santa Claus delivers gifts to 200 million children, over 200 million square miles, traveling 122 million miles in 24 hours, going at speeds of 5,083,000 miles an hour, facing G-forces of 2,908 on his body. The human record for G's is 83 G's. He spends three, if he just visited the homes in America, he would spend three ten-thousandths of a second per house. Now that, we would say, is impossible. You have problems and I have problems that will not yield to human effort or ingenuity, but will only yield to the power of the impossible. So today I want to talk to you about that. What I require for my very being 
is impossible. What is required for a virgin to give birth to a son who would live his life for us is impossible. Bethlehem is impossible. So today, I want to break it down into three, three movements. One is the impossible Savior and the impossible you. Two, how Christmas redefines the word impossible. And three, I want to ask you a question. What if you started believing the impossible? Isaiah 7, 14 lays the groundwork for the thought of the impossible. Therefore, the Lord himself, that's impossible, God reaching down to us, will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. Then I want to jump over to the New Testament, to Luke chapter 18, verse 27, where Jesus replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Now, before we go too far into the Christmas story, though, I want to talk about the impossible Savior and the impossible you. And I want to start by talking about the impossible you, because a lot of people have made the mistake of putting the virgin birth realm fantasy in the realm of fantasy, or the virgin birth story in the realm of fantasy, and our false impossibilities in the realm of grit and genius, and it's no wonder that we do that. It's no wonder that we put the two together and we think, okay, impossible is the things that we do with our human ingenuity, the the. the Super highways. Every time I go down a major highway and I cross a bridge, I think of the amazing ability of human beings. And when, when you take that, that, that device that used to would fill up a room this size and it has uh, gigabytes of information and, and, and communication and pictures and everything in your life can be organized in this thing that you hold in your hand. It's really amazing what human beings can do. It's amazing what modernity has given to us. But only God does the impossible. You require the impossible to thrive. The second thing I want you to know. And thirdly, I want you to know your life is steeped. And you may not realize it, but your life is steeped in the impossible. Jesus, Paul said to a group of unbelievers, and make a note of that, he said it to people who did not even believe. He said, in him, you live and move and have your being. Let me read to you an article that I read that talks about the impossible you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're impossible. (laughs) Your body is made of approximately 100 trillion cells. They all come from the division of one single cell. 300 million cells die every minute. We produce 300 billion of new cells every day. You get an entirely new set of taste buds every 10 days, new nails every 6 to 10 months, new bones every 10 years, and even a new heart every 20 years. The human heart creates enough pressure to squirt blood 30 feet. Such pressure is needed to pump blood through 60,000 miles of veins and capillaries. The heart pumps six quarts of blood circulating three times every minute in one day. Your blood travels a total of 12,000 miles. Your heart pumps approximately 2,000 gallons of blood through its chambers every single day. It beats more than 100,000 times a day to do this. Red blood cells speed around your body, taking less than 60 seconds to make a full circuit. This means that each of yours makes 1,440 trips around your body every day to keep your body energized. 
Each cell uh, takes about 40 days to be replaced by newer ones, and you take on an average of 17 breaths a day, on an average, and you don't have to think about a single one of them. If you want, you can hold your breaths voluntarily. Your brain can hold five times as much information as Encyclopedia Britannica. Nerve impulses travel at 170 miles per hour. It does all this on the same amount of power as a 10-watt light bulb. It's estimated that 50,000 thoughts pass through your brain each day. Now, you know some people that have less than that, I'm sure. (laughs) That's 35 thoughts per minute. No wonder you can't win an argument. Our eyes distinguish up to one million color surfaces, and it takes in more information than the largest telescope known to man. Your liver works hard at over 400 functions, including detoxification, protein synthesis, and the production of biochemicals necessary for digestion. However, you could have two-thirds of your liver removed from trauma or surgery, and it would grow back. Your stomach gets a brand-new lining every four days. Strong digestive acids quickly dissolve the mucus lining walls of your stomach, so your body replaces them routinely routinely before they are compromised. So if someone gets frustrated with you and says you're impossible, respond, you have no idea. That's just a little bit about, if time permit, we could talk about the animal kingdom, other parts of nature, the, the ant, because of the way the ant's body is structured uniquely. It can lift five times its body weight. 5,000 times its body weight, I meant to say. The tiny creature called the tardigrade can survive radiation, outer space, and temperatures all the way from 328 degrees below zero to 300 degrees above zero. In 2007, a, sh- a zebra shark in an aquarium in a restaurant in Dubois began to begin to asexually produce babies and with unfertilized eggs. They don't know how that happened. Science can observe. You know, one more thing. There's this aquatic invertebra that spontaneously produces its own body parts and scientists have found in ideal conditions it shows no signs of aging. Science can observe, but they can't create. (laughs) Science or the poet's but God is the poem. Amen? See, see if you notice, we, we create some amazing things. But there's, there's, uh, there's not any miracles involved. I mean, if, if Detroit creates an 840-horsepower car, which they did a couple of years ago, they don't get surprised by its gas mileage. They don't got it. We can't believe we, we created this 840-horsepower vehicle, and it gets 150 miles per gallon. We don't understand it. God does stuff like that all the time. Your body should not do all the functions that I said a while ago. And the ant should not be able to pick up 5,000 times its body weight. So welcome to the greatest story ever told, the virgin birth of Jesus. I want to make it believable today. I said, I want to make it believable And the reason I want to make the virgin birth believable and the incarnation of Jesus believable because there's so many other things it will open up for you. It will open up so many other areas for you and so many miracles for you and so many supernatural things for you. This is not just a little time of year to go get some gifts and drink some eggnog, man. This is a time of year to discover that you are supernatural and you are steeped in the supernatural and you have the opportunity to enter into greater supernatural possibilities than you have ever imagined. Amen? 
you're already in the realm where a virgin delivers a son who lives a sinless life, becomes your sin bearer, enabling you to say, I am possible because of the impossible.
Impossible is when prophetic utterances are given about a person, over 3,000 of them, and they almost all come to pass, and the others are still in process and can come to pass. Most of them have come to pass about Jesus. One particular prophecy is said that he would be a Nazarene, and there's complexities to that, and I don't have time to explain that, but I can if you want to come talk to me later. But um, the, the thing about that particular one, and there's so many details like this in this Christmas story that are just wonderful and just so encouraging and, and encourage my faith when I'm trying to believe for something in my life, that uh, they weren't, you know, when the, when, when the Mary and Joseph and Jesus, you know, they fled to Egypt to run from Herod because Herod was slaughtering all the little boys in Bethlehem. And when they were on their way back to Bethlehem, there was no reason for them not to go into Bethlehem. They almost didn't go to Nazareth at all. Joseph wasn't like, I am read in the Bible that this is supposed to happen. In fact, such an obscure prophecy. I, I, that's why I don't want to go into it right now because it takes a little time to explain it. But Joseph did, you know, I know that Hebrew word meant so-and-so, and I know i got to get to Nazareth because i got to make all these prophecies come to pass. You know how hard it is to your own self to do what you said you're going to do? You know how hard that is every week to do everything you've said you, you, you know you should do? It wasn't. There's no way. So, so Joseph, he's headed back. To, he wasn't going to Nazareth. And then at the last minute, Herod changed his will and made his son Archelaus the king. And Joseph, I mean, Joseph said, we, if, Herod, if he's now the king, look, we can't go back. And he goes to Nazareth. That's how the, amazing the Christmas story. The Christmas story, because of what it means that it's supernatural, it gives us the keys to meaning, significance, and a world without end. Don't minimize those things, okay? Ultimately, you will not even be a possibility without the incarnation of Jesus Christ. In the beginning, God, in the conclusion, nothing is impossible. <laughs> Let me paraphrase a Tim Keller quote. Christmas does not agree with the optimistic thinker who says we can fix things if we try hard enough, nor does it agree with the pessimist who sees only a dystopian or a bleak future. The message of Christianity is instead things really are bad and we can't heal or save ourselves. Things are really dark. Nevertheless, there's hope. For that hope to manifest, we require the impossible supernatural virgin birth of God's only son. Ancient rabbis had predicted the virgin birth. One had said he would be born without defect. His birth would not be like the birth of another man. Another rabbi said his dews on the ground from heaven above without the action of man. Another said he appears to be by the side of the ancient of days. But that's a very bold promise that Jesus would be born of a virgin, that he would be born without the normal reproduction. That's a very bold promise. That's, my friend, is impossible. But did you know that, there's, that God had painted himself in a corner? He had actually, in, in, in 605 B.C., the Jews were deported from Israel to Babylon. And there was a king in Israel named Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim was the last king that Israel ever had. And he was not a good guy. He's part of the reason they got in a mess. And God had this to say in Jeremiah 2, 22, 30. It's not going to go up on the wall for you, so just listen. He said this to, to say about Jehoiakim. 
This is what the Lord says, record this man as if childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime, for none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. Now, Joachim was of the family line of Judah and David, and all the prophecies said that Jesus would be born of the line of Judah and the tribe of David, or the tribe of Judah and the line of David. And if it was prophesied that Jesus would come through this line, how is this going to happen? God is saying 10 generations before Jesus, no more kings are going to come from this line. God had really created a problem for himself, right? But let me, say, let me tell you something. Promise keeping is no problem in the realm of the impossible. I said promise keeping is no problem in the realm of the impossible. God was able, through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, and that same supernatural power that causes all those incredible things to happen in your body right now and this week and, and until, you, until your body ages and you go to live eternally with God, that, that same supernatural power was the same supernatural power that moved on Mary so that she gave birth to not Joseph's son. Her son was not of this, it did not have the seed of David, but it had the seed of God. And Mary was of the tribe of Nathan, so it was no problem, right? If I told you someone asked if a person was born without a father, would you believe it? You'd probably say no, but yes, if he lived, died, and rose again the way Jesus did, right? We require the virgin birth. We require the impossible love and mercy of God. This is the real miracle of Christmas, typified by this set that the team has put together, and more to the point, that if there was a God, if there was an eternal being, an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent being, why would he care for us? Why would he love people? John the Baptist must have thought about this, and John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin who came and announced Jesus' coming. 30, fast forward 32 years after the birth of Jesus, and John's in prison because he has called out King Herod for his immorality. And so he's in prison, about to have his life taken. And he sends word to Jesus, Jesus, are you, are you the one or should we look for another? Now the reason John said that, because John, when he was going around preaching and he was dealing with the depravity of all these snakes in the grass that were running the society in Israel in those days. He said this to them. You snakes, who has warned you to free? You, you brood of vipers. And that's pretty rough stuff, huh? There's just, just a couple people on Twitter who talk like that. Won't call any names. John said, you brood of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now, Jesus, see, John's over there in prison waiting on the wrath of God to come. This was the sign he was looking for. He was looking for the wrath of God to come down on humanity through the Messiah. That's what he was, predict that's what he was preaching, right? Jesus sends this message back to him. Go tell John, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, and, the blind, and, and, and those who have leprosy are cured, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. What was happening there? Jesus was saying, John, I didn't come to bring wrath yet. 
I came to bring mercy. And I came to bring love. And I came to bring goodness. And there is no greater miracle of Christmas than that. And I mean that with all of my heart. No creators of mythological gods or founders of religion could conceive nor did they try to communicate gods that forgave instead of judged and ministered instead of retaliated and healed instead of exacted vengeance. That's why. I know you always skip over those begets when you read in the book of Matthew, and so-and-so begets so-and-so begets so-and-so, and you wonder, why did he put that in the Bible? Well, I'll tell you why he put it in the Bible, because if you go back and read those begets carefully, you will see that there were three harlots, two illegitimate children, and one idolater in the family of Jesus Christ, in the lineage who made it possible for Jesus Christ to be born. Somebody say amen. amen. Finally, we require the impossible second coming of Jesus Christ. The Christmas story is about, not just about the first coming. It's about the second coming. The first time he came, a star marked his arrival. The next time he comes, the stars will fall before him. The first time he came, Men and shepherds brought gifts. The next time he comes, he will bring gifts to reward his followers. The first time he came, there was no room for him. The next time he comes, the whole world won't be able to contain his glory. The first time he came, only a few people attended his arrival. But the next time he comes, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen? The first time he came, he came as a helpless and submissive baby. But the next time he comes, he will come as sovereign Lord. Impossible no problem. Night, stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Break for 
started believing in the impossible. Um, Christmas, the birth of Jesus, Christ coming to save the world, that's like a door to everything. If you believe that, that's the door to everything impossible. If you stay on the other side of this door, yes, there's a material world that's quite amazing. There's a material world that's quite impressive. I'm really impressed with what humans, what we, the ingenuity of humans, and what we're able to accomplish through hard work, intelligence, giftedness, grit and determination. It's, it's truly amazing. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid for Westerners especially, and I'm afraid in this 21st century, we've been producing so long, and we've done so many amazing things, technologically. We have, we have machines to zap cancer and we have technological marvels all around us. 
I'm afraid we've gotten stuck in the material world. We've gotten stuck in the world of technology. And it's not working out, guys. It's wonderful, and it's convenient, and I love it, and I enjoy it every day, but we're, we're, we're not, it's not meeting the needs of man. It's not stopping the worst proclivities of, of human hearts and human beings. It's, it's, it's not stopping us from mass murder, and it's not stopping us from all... You know, I tell you what we did with our, cre- our creativity. We, we created the atomic bomb, <laughs> We created the hydrogen bomb, and we've all got a gun to one another's head, globally speaking. That's why global affairs are so complicated, because everybody's afraid that, that Afghanistan or somebody in Syria or some other place is, is going to get, another person's going to get this device that can kill us all. So I'm, I'm inviting you to step through the door of hope. I'm asking you to step out of the material world into the world of anything as possible. If Christmas is just a nice legend, C.S. Lewis said, in a sense, you're on your own. But if Christmas is true, then you can be saved by grace. If you will start believing, you would find there is hope beyond the limits of human effort. You'll stop letting the technological material world obscure your view of the impossible. You will look, if you will believe this, you'll be amazed. There'll be a whole list of things that you'll begin to say, God can do that. You know, maybe you have relationships that are messed up today. You know, they need repair. Well, God can do that. <laughs> Maybe you have emotions that need controlling and lifting, and may, you know, God can do that. Maybe you have a vision to perform some ministry for the world around you, but you don't have the means or the ability. Well, God can do that. Maybe you need new energy for purpose in life. Well, God can do that. Maybe you need your reason for being clarified. Well, God can do that. You could also replace a lot of your thinking and strategizing with believing and receiving. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I believe in thinking and strategizing and planning and working hard. We have to do the difficult so God can do the impossible a lot of times. I understand that. You need to do that. God has given you a brain and God has given you uh, all kinds of human resources to be, an, to be is truly amazing. But the incarnation of Jesus wasn't a product of planning, thinking, strategizing, regret, or any of those things, or any type of ingenuity. It was an answer to prayer. I said the, in, the incarnation of Christ was an answer to prayer. There are some things in your life that will only help you th- th- in those things that, will, that you need help at a level that can only be helped as an answer of prayer. Daniel M. said, what is the use of praying if while praying we have so little confidence in God that we're busy planning our own answer to our own prayer? I'm inviting you. I'm... I'm I, I, and, and I know that I know that we, we think of people in terms of Christian or not Christian, and I understand that, and, and I, I believe in those categories, by the way. But my message today is to both, to both who came you came today as a seeker, and you have not become a follower of Christ, and you would say, no, I, I, I I'm sympathetic to Christianity, but I'm not a Christian. I'm talking to you. I'm also talking to the believer, who's yeah, you put your faith in Christ. But you, your faith has really waned.
You're not thinking. You're not thinking about a God who could send his son in the form of a man, have him live a sinless life and dispose of our sins on the cross. Or you would be a lot more optimistic about a lot of things. But the most compelling reason for putting our trust in the Lord and the Lord of the impossible is that you know at your deepest level of knowing that you're created to live forever. You're created for a world without end. Have you noticed that old age always catches up to us by surprise? Those of us us who are getting there? My dad used to always say, Phil, I don't know how I got this old. (laughs) Try talking to a young person about getting old and you will see in their eyes that will never happen to me. (laughs) See, that's because at our deepest level of knowing, we know, we know we're called to a realm that can only be described as heaven. Heaven, because there are no impossibilities there. There's only possibilities in heaven. Because it's the realm of the supernatural. We know it's the deepest part of our being that we were created for something more. We know that something happened to us. We had a collision with something that robbed us of our potential. We know we weren't supposed to get old. And the Lord Jesus says, believe in me and I will give you, not, not 50 years from now or 10 years from now, now will give you eternal life. You can walk out of here with eternal life. That's the promise that I give you today. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. The Magi heard from heaven. Mary heard from heaven. Joseph heard from heaven. You say, oh, living forever in a peace, sharing co-dominion with Christ. That's impossible, you say. Well, I tried to make the point earlier in the sermon that you are impossible. So if you are impossible... Why can't heaven be as possible as you are, right? Why can't it? I believe it can. If you will believe the impossible, you will inherit. You will will live in the impossible, amen? You will escape the possible and live in the impossible. Give the Lord a hand, amen? God, we thank you. 2,000 years ago, heaven met earth, that we get to live the reality of your glory every single day, that your hand was outstretched to us in a manger, and that heaven is here.
lot of times it has a lot of meetings with your family or with your workmates. Uh, a lot of meaning, a lot of strategizing, a lot of planning for the difficult things of life. And because of that, we, we do some amazing things and we move the difficult. But the impossible doesn't begin with strategizing. The impossible isn't created by a meeting. The impossible happens as a result of a conversation. A conversation with your creator. That's the only way to have the impossible. Joseph had a conversation with the creator. Mary had a conversation. It all started with a conversation with the angel Gabriel. Those conversations, because they believed and they spoke, they shared their fears, they shared their doubts, and those doubts were dealt with. I want to invite you today, especially if you're not, if you would classify yourself as a person who's not walking with God, not integrating your life, not organizing your life around Jesus. I, I want to invite you to have that conversation. I want to pray a prayer in a moment. And I'm going to ask the whole congregation to repeat this prayer after me. And then I want you to do something. There's a card in the back of the seats called the Make New card. Made New. And I want you to take that card and uh, in a moment uh, they're going to give us a little more light and you're going to be able to see your card. And I want you to write down, uh, give us your name and information. And uh, we would really love to know. And here's what I want you to do with that card. When you're done, I know that you don't want everybody to see it. Probably it's okay. But I guarantee if you'll, if you'll just follow my instructions, that won't, that won't happen. Uh, take it, and I want you to just put it on the seat where you're sitting. And turn it over, face down. And then I'll send somebody around to pick them up when the service is over. I really hope you'll make that move. And I realize as I say this prayer, some of you are, have put your faith in Christ. You've put your trust in the impossible God. But you are facing some stuff in life that's really difficult. And I want to pray for you that that same faith that caused Mary to say, Oh, Lord, be it done to me according to your will, and caused her to participate in the greatest drama of history. I'm praying that the same power will be available to you because I know that it is, and so that you can have a breakthrough moment today in believing in the Lord of the impossible. Okay, um, let us stand, and I want us to get ready to pray together. Let's repeat after me, please, everybody. Heavenly Father, I need you. There are problems I can't solve. I can't save myself. I can't give myself eternal life. So I receive it from you. Right now, Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my King. I receive you. I commit to you. I'm yours. I'm yours for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.